Hi friends, my name is Heather and this is my sister Heidi and we are the hosts of the H&H Hour and we first want to thank you for listening. We wanted to come on first before we introduce our guest to you and before we interview him and give you a little bit of an update. Last week many of you saw on our Instagram that our family, our extended family, experienced a tragedy and therefore we didn't post last week a new episode. We have no doubt, though, that this week's episode is very significant and timely and that it is meant for this time and what our family is walking through and what many of you may be walking through as well. A couple of weeks ago, you listened as our sweet, sweet sis and love Jenna Bennett shared her story of waiting and her faith and the belief that she had that God can make all things work together for the good of those who love him. This past Monday, Jenna lost her little brother in a tragic accident. He was 16 years old. We believe that God is moving and working in miraculous ways in spite of this tragedy, and we have no doubt that we will see many miracles come. As you listen to our brother Nathaniel share about his book that he's written that releases today, we would beg of you to go out and to buy the book, to listen to the audio book, And really search out what God is asking of you. Are your priorities in line? Are you living for the king or are you living for self? Romans 8, 28 says that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And we know that in this terrible tragedy that God's word says that the enemy So Satan is the one that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but that God uses those tragedies for his glory. And in spite, he causes good to come from that. And we are believing that over Jenna and her parents, her brothers, and Matt, our brother, her husband, over her brother's nieces and nephews, and just knowing that God's going to use this in such a mighty way. But I think for me, as I interview my brother about this book that God called him to write as an act of obedience, this is not haphazard timing. This is something that God ordained before Nathaniel knew that he would write this book, before we knew that our sister Jenna would be walking through this time, before whatever it is you are facing in your life came about. So please do pick up this book. Um because I really believe it could change your life. I believe that it can help prepare you for what you might be called to. It might help give you grace and insight into knowing as you search for the king, what you need to prepare in your spirit to help others also. So please listen in and um, we will talk again soon. Welcome to the H&H Hour. My name is Heidi Bolt, and I'm one of your hosts, and this is my sister, Heather. Hi, Heather. Hi, Heidi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. I'm really excited to be here today. This is I've been excited for this one in particular for a long time. I have too. So We have got something so exciting for you, our listeners today, Yes. and we've been waiting to share this with you. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a guest on our show today who we are huge, massive fans of. Yes. Um, 
Mostly because of proximity. True. Um, because Well, because he's awesome. He is awesome. But we didn't know he was awesome before we realized how awesome he was. I because, don't... no, I'm getting, he is our brother. Uh, th yes. So we were is. just little tiny wee ones and we didn't realize <laughs> how incredible he is. But now we know. That's true. That's true. I don't know. I think he was pretty awesome as a kid, too. Well, see, I was um, very small when I realized. Were, that's true. You were, you were the baby of us. The I, three of us. Of the three big ones. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if this is your first time listening, we just want to welcome you to the H&H &H Hour mm -hmm. and say that this podcast is just a conversation that we have mm -hmm. each week. And we sit on our couch and sometimes we have awesome guests on and sometimes it's just the two of us and um, we are sisters yep. and we talk about this beautifully ordinary life and that ordinary is really extraordinary and that sometimes we take ordinary things and, and we don't see the beauty in them right. um, and that the little things actually might be the biggest things. Absolutely. So we want to highlight people who might not have a platform yeah. um, and people who might not have any place to share their voice and their story but everyone has a voice and everyone has a story and so that's what this podcast is about and we're very ordinary women um, but we are trying to live extraordinary lives in the midst of all of the ordinary things that we do yeah whatever it is God calls us to each and every day right whatever he puts right in front of us can be extraordinary yeah. well Nathaniel <laughs> hello welcome hey guys hi Dan you here how fun is this, huh? This is so fun. So fun. I, I heard you talking about having an awesome guest on, and I thought maybe I called the wrong night. I mean, is this, <laughs> am I who you were expecting? Is this good? You are who we were expecting. Yes. <laughs> you should know by now that your sisters are big, big fans. Little, little biased, but I appreciate that. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm going to turn the tables here right off the top. You should know I'm a fan of the podcast. I'm, I'm very jealous about my commute time. It's usually audiobooks. Or if I'm stressed out, it's music. Yes. But when a new show comes out, new H and H hour, that's on the commute, and I've got a long commute, so I usually can get a whole episode in and oh, one trip. Oh, so, we yeah. love it. We love it. You're you've always been one of our greatest supporters and biggest cheerleaders. So yes. thank you. No problem. Thanks for having me. It's fun to be here. So in this sibling order of this family that we have, this crazy family, crazy awesome, crazy awesome, crazy huge, yep. you are number two. Yep. I am number one, yep. and Heidi is number three. Yeah. So growing up, we were called the big kids. Yep. <laughs> we're the and, big three. The big and three. Four, and four and five were the little boys, maybe even to this day sometimes, even though, you know, the other two came along later. Right. So. Even though they're grown men now. It was the big <laughs> well, kids and, the, and the, little, the, the little boys. Let's say they're older now. Grown <laughs> That's true. men? I don't know. Oh, we love them. That's true. So I, I'm sorry. I have to tell this because it's just one of my favorite stories. And I know you're already like cringing because you don't know what I'm going to say. But I've got, I've got some in my back pocket. Okay. Just, so, just in case. So yeah. Nathaniel, um, or Than, as the rest of the world knows him, has blue eyes, really blue eyes. And um, they're very beautiful blue eyes. And, and uh one day, Mom wanted to take a picture of him, oh, no. and Nathaniel did not want his picture taken. So he pulled a baseball cap down over his head and went out to, we lived on some acreage, went out to one of the pine trees and camped out in the pine tree for, I don't know, hours, all day. <laughs> I like being outside. It's, I mean, look, it's not a crime. 
was our property. This is very true. Just because you didn't want your blue eyes yeah. in a photo. You've never liked having the attention on yourself. Well, they worked out in the end because Brooke likes them. So, you know, I, what can I say? Hey, whatever works. Go with it. Well, I just, I, you know, I wasn't going to bring up the nicknames Hirsch and Pope, but, um, <laughs> you know, now that you've told that story, I think it's pretty much fair game. So, fair game. I mean, do you want us to tell the Hershey story, Hersh? No. Or Pope, do you I, want? No. I, I feel like maybe next you time? should. Next time? Can <laughs> next, we share next that? Next time? Yes. Let's see how the next 45 minutes goes. Okay. We'll see, we'll okay. See if it needs to come out. Sounds good. <laughs> that sounds good. Well, since we know everything about you, not all of our listeners know everything about you. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your life and what's going on right now and um, who you are. Sure. Well, I, I mean, I think for purposes of this podcast, first of all, I'm your brother, which is pretty awesome. Your listeners know you. And uh, that's been one of the coolest things to be is, is your brother. We've you know, I think one thing that uh, people might be surprised about is we really were best friends growing up. And, yes. and the three of us, we did so many things together. Um, so it's sort of fun to circle back and, and be able to collaborate on this now as, as adults. Yeah. Um, ever since I've a kid, like you said, I've been my nickname has been Than. And I, wanted, I thought maybe I should tell the story there because that really comes from mom. Mom hated the nickname Nate or Nathan. Yeah. So she wouldn't let my coaches call me Nate or Nathan. And you remember the coach Rick Capel that uh, I had? Yep. Yeah. He, he wouldn't call me Nathaniel, just too many syllables. And so finally, <laughs> mom, in the middle of a practice, stood up and literally screamed at him. She said, if, you, if you're going to call him Nate, I'm going to call you Rick. So <laughs> he, he asked for a one-syllable nickname that I could have. She offered him Than, and that's really when it stuck for good. So now, honestly, even in my professional career, uh, that, that's what I'm known on. So um, I've been married to Brooke love of my life for almost 11 and a half years. Can you believe that? Wow. Time and flies. Years. And she is stunning. Like we're talking smoke and hot here. It's true. It's yeah. true. And she's, she's a saint too. She really is. You know, it's uh, uh, you say that I like to be um, behind the scenes. She even more so though. But yet when we're in groups where both of us belong, like at church, I'm known as Brooke's husband. I mean, it's just, just kind of the way it is. Yeah. And I like that. I'm okay with that. So yeah. um, we have three kids. Jude is eight. Brell, her full name is Gambrell, which is Brooke's maiden name. Brell is six, and Hope is almost five. Uh, Can you believe that? Little no. gems. Oh little my goodness, gems. Hopey. I know. So they, um, they're awesome. They're in bed here now, but we'll see. Yeah. If they come in, it'll be like that CNN video. Yes. Kids behind me, if possible. <laughs> I really, um, I do actually hope that happens. That would be so great and ordinary. <laughs> Well, you say you hope it happens, and if it does happen, you will be hoping for hope. Because it will be hope that comes in. <laughs> she is a riot. Okay, I just have to pause you. Hope is your thirdborn. So speaking as the thirdborn, yeah. I just feel like I can connect with her on so many levels. Uh-huh. You know, Brooke will text me some days and be like, girl, sister, help me understand this thirdborn. Uh-huh. And the emoji faces that follow are unbelievably awesome. You uh-huh. know, like the gritty teeth guy and... It's, I just feel like it's so normal for me to, I just understand hope. We could call her Heidi. We really could. I love it. I'm not, I'm not saying this next line because we could call her, call her Heidi, I promise. But no matter what she's doing, clothing is optional. (laughs) Sometimes there's clothing and sometimes there's not. So, you know, that that can be a little bit of a problem. Those are some stories we cannot tell on this podcast. Uh, Well, yeah, later date, later date. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, back to the intro, because I feel like this is going in a bad direction. We digress. 
Uh, yeah, so, so professionally, I, I, I do public policy work, which, you know, nobody falls asleep too quickly here. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it's work that I'm passionate about. Um, it's for the American Center for Law and Justice, the yeah. ACLJ. I've been with them for uh, 11 years now. Wow. Worked on Capitol Hill before that. Yeah. Um, guys, I came to D.C. to be here for one year, and right. it's been 17. Yeah. So pretty amazing. Definitely a call uh, that God had on your life. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, and to some extent, um, initially dragging my feet um, yeah. as far as staying out here. Well, um, and we were we were trying to drag you back, certainly. Oh, well, mom still is. We <laughs> hate it. Oh, I have houses for sale in my neighborhood. I would like, um, buy your for you. house. Mom yeah. has sent me I would house. stay in my neighborhood if you would move home. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. But no, God's definitely got you there. He has. It's. It's. Uh, this is definitely home. I mean, Illinois will always be home, and where you guys are will be home. But this is. This is where we've made our home. So, sure. um, we love being here. We have. You know, I don't have a whole lot of time for hobbies anymore. I mean, yeah. if I do, I love baseball. I love the Chicago Cubs. Um, so last year was a great year for for you, uh, right? For the first time ever. Yes. <laughs> so, so much Jude fun. And I, actually, that was one of our very one of the memories I'll have forever is watching with Jude. He became a big fan and. We splurged and bought some of the Wrigley Field seats when they renovated up during the off season. Oh, yeah. So we got them in our basement. Um, so yeah, cool. that's fun. Well, and that so. was such a fun thing for because Jude was not real, real into sports, right? And then nope. just this last baseball season with the Cubs, he just Cubs. all of a sudden took off and loves it. How, how spoiled too, right? I mean, I, I had to go through thirty six years right? of misery. The first year he's interested. I mean, went. I. It's probably why they won, is because Jude was cheering for him. It's God's favor is on that little boy. That's all there is to it. It's funny you say that because this weekend we were out planting flowers, you know, our our annual spring plant around the yard, and usually we have about a 50% success rate. You know, half of it works, half of it doesn't. And Jude just randomly walked around putting, like, little sunflower seeds, like, on top of the dirt, and we're like, those are going to grow. Yeah. All of his sunflowers will grow in random places in the yard. <laughs> I love it. Our properly planted bulbs won't. So. I love it. Aww. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's so good. So, Thean, because you've listened, you know this, we ask all of our guests these two questions in particular, and we've gotten some amazing answers. Um, what about yourself or your life feels ordinary? Yeah, I, I, I love it when you ask people this because I always kind of laugh to myself thinking about how I would respond. Yeah. And I laugh a little maybe longer when I think about how you guys might respond because (laughs) if you line the seven of us up, right. Yeah. And and you're going to say, okay, which one is ordinary or maybe dull? I mean, that is me. No, no. You're going to say, no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. You know, God (laughs) in all of his goodness is doing some amazing things in my life. And I know we're going to talk about, I'm excited to talk about it, (laughs) but I was the kid growing up who was a nerd who uh, knew he was a nerd and was totally cool with it. Like, like that's fine. I didn't, I didn't run with the cool crowd. Didn't, couldn't have run with the cool crowd. But didn't really want to either. Um, and so I think, I think probably of all of us growing up, I was the one with the least flair or style or hipness. I was, I was, I was unique. I was, I was a little bit of a nerd and 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 pretty cool with it. So um, the other thing that's ordinary about me to this day except when I'm at work, is my wardrobe. Just, like, caught in 1990, right? So if I'm not at work, not put together, I'm in 1990s jeans that are too baggy-legged. Baggy jeans. Yeah. Do you you even own a pair of skinny jeans? Why would I own a pair of skinny jeans? No way. Than 
I am getting your measurements from Brooke, and they are going to be shipped to your door. He won't wear them. Heidi, you can't can't put my pants on me. (laughs) I won't be putting those on. Although, speaking of I feel like if they're a gift from your little sister, you'll wear them. Yeah, not a chance. Go ahead. Uh, (laughs) Waste your money. Um, But no, speaking of wardrobe, so I'll tell the story on myself. You've already told one on me. Heather, remember, I was probably 16. We're on a ministry week, and sort of... I mean, I say it was a trendy thing. That's probably a bit of a stretch. But the cool people in the ministry were wearing suspenders with their suits, right? Yes, Yes. right. Right. So I wore suspenders with my suit. Yes. See? And I wore a belt. (laughs) Yes. both a belt and suspenders. (laughs) And you got a nickname from our dear friend Ryan Capico. I don't remember that. Mr. Suave, remember? Oh, yeah. That that was clearly... A making joke? fun of me. Yes, clearly. Yes, I was the butt of the joke because I was wearing both butt. And, and honestly, but you I didn't don't even know. think I realized it. No, you didn't know. So, you just felt good about hey, yourself. you know man. what? You married a woman that has participated in Miss America. I think you're fine. And Miss USA, both. And Miss USA. Miss USA yeah. I yeah. don't think you're struggling in the looks category. Well, I, regardless of whether I am or not, if, if people are looking for other people with large amounts of ordinary You've got him. We've got, we've <laughs> lots, got him. We've lots got of him. Well, we on. believe That's... that ordinary is extraordinary and beautiful. So you are perfect then for this show. Yeah. So that leads us to our second question, which is what do you think is extraordinary about yourself? Um, Brooke. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, only, I'm only partially kidding. She, she is pretty amazing. But honestly, uh, the ordinary question is is great but this is where i think it gets fun because mm-hmm. no matter no matter if in and of ourselves we're ordinary or extraordinary or anywhere in between yeah. all of us should be ordinary or should be extraordinary if we're walking in the plan that god has for yes. us mm-hmm. and yes. I, I, there are just there are so many different extraordinary things that are happening in my life but i, I really want people to hear me on this point because it is so abundantly clear to me you guys that it's for no other reason than god's mighty hand yes um, God's mighty hand orchestrating times and events and places and peoples and instructions to me and maybe finally uh, a moment of obedience for me to make mm-hmm. those things happen. Um, and so I think any any answer to talk about what's extraordinary about me has to start and end there. Yeah. Um, and if I if I guess if I take a step back and, and talk about things that maybe are inherently extraordinary about me and my personality I, I would maybe land on on a couple of things and they would be um doggedness and loyalty mm-hmm. yeah uh, if i make my mind to go after something i mean wild dogs can't drag me away for better yeah. or for worse sometimes yeah. sometimes it's not a strength but it's 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 definitely something that i've got a lot of stick to it yes um and then when i do commit to someone or something i'm also fiercely loyal mm-hmm. um pro- sometimes to a fault to be honest with you, but um, I'm, I'm hesitant to move on sometimes, but I think there's an extraordinary amount of, of loyalty there. Um, but I think even with both of those things, I have to circle back to what we started with, and that is that if we're going to truly participate in order or, or in extraordinary things, or if there are extraordinary things about me, it's really only because of what God has done. I look at, mm. I look at Brooke and the kids and the things um, – that God has called our family to. Mm-hmm. And I just see things that simply would not exist mm-hmm. except for the mighty hand of God calling me and, and leading us into extraordinary places. And honestly, I'd be content with that. Mm-hmm. I'd be content with staying in a fairly ordinary place 
Um, but God has very clearly called us to some extraordinary things, and that that's what makes me extraordinary. Mm, that's so great. I feel like there's so much wisdom in what you just said. Yeah. So it's no secret that we are so proud of you and just so, Than, when I think of a godly man who I both love and respect and think so highly of next to my husband, you are one of the very, very, very top people that come to my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, not just because you're my big brother, but because I have watched you be so faithful and so loyal and so obedient to the call of God in so many different seasons of your life. And I, I would just say to encourage you as your little sister, that has helped set the pace and the tone for my own obedience in my life, in my walk with Jesus. And um, that is that is an exceptional gift that you can give to your young siblings. Um, so publicly, thank you for that. I don't know that I've ever gotten to tell you that your godly leadership as a man has affected me as a woman in my life in such a substantial way, so profoundly. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I think I think if you are going to say that, I w- would be I would be remiss to not publicly thank our parents as well for putting us on that path. And yes, it's also absolutely. a little humbling for me to hear you say that, Heidi, because while I'm profoundly grateful for um, you know, the path that God has had me on. Actually, some of the things we're going to talk about today and some of the things that he's called me into have made me realize to a greater extent the humanity that exists inside me. And mm. while I may have made a lot of right choices on the way, my heart and my being are fundamentally and fatally flawed. Mm. Um, and, and all of ours are. And yeah. I think until we come to a place of, of intimate wrestling with that and acceptance of that, it's hard for God to do extraordinary things through us yes. because yeah. we're not being honest about who we are uh, in and of ourselves. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself in the things we want to talk about. But at the same time, um, I know I was being held back because before I really started pressing into this project I'm working on, I didn't have an honest assessment of uh, how flawed I was on the inside. Wow. So, Than, you're now a published author. So Than, nine days. Than nine Bennett, days. Nine on, days. on April 4th, your book yep. is hitting shelves. and Which is the day that this podcast, that all of our listeners get to hear this, is April 4th. Yes. Uh-huh. Which I just have to tell that story Do really quick tell. because I just, my whole life, we've talked about, our whole lives, we've talked about how God is so in the details of our lives yeah. and cares about the little things Um and so as we were going through the next couple of months and scheduling our guests for the, the H&H Hour and um, figuring out when we were going to air different mm-hmm. episodes, we said, well, we'll just, we'll air, we'll record Nathaniel here and then we'll air him here. And it turns out it was April 4th. And you didn't know? We didn't know. Really? No. Yeah. And so. It hit us after the fact. After wow. we scheduled it. So, yeah. which is so cool. So all of our listeners, you're listening on April 4th, Nathaniel's book, which we're going to talk about in just a few minutes is available now in yes. all formats. Yes. Um, in bookstores, on Amazon, um, Kindle, however you like to read your books. I like to have my books like holding them in my hand. Yes. And highlighters. Me too. And like circling and red. Me too. So. Yeah. So Than Bennett, um, his book is called In Search of the King, and it's about turning your desire for meaning into the discovery of God. And 
I, I just, I cannot urge you enough to purchase this book, not because he's my brother, not because Than thinks there's some bias, but because this will change your life. Yep. This book, the words that are within this book, um, the journey he took to get here, this will change your life, I promise you. So just look it up, In Search of the King by Than Bennett. It's T-H-A-N-N, and we'll put all his information on our Instagram. But Than, we want to talk to you. Will you tell us just about the journey that you took to get this book written? Yeah, it was uh, it was some journey, and I, and honestly, the backdrop of it, you guys, is is 15 years of disobedience, and it was it's a little bit interesting. Before I get into that story, I had the chance uh, this morning to share in front of our church about the book, and I was struck by the irony of of coming full circle because mm-hmm. that's really where the 15 years of disobedience came to an end a couple of years ago, or at least the the start the start of the end, so to speak, but. Yeah. Um, in February of 2001, I felt a very specific call to write for God. Mm-hmm. And um, I spent 15 years essentially walking in disobedience and giving him excuses. And, you know, they were, they were good excuses. They're excuses like, I work in public policy. I don't have time for it. I've got to go to school. I've got a family. I don't, you know, it's, it's not what my profession is. I need to focus on the right things. Um, but, but time and time again, God would keep coming back to me with this call to write. Hmm. And uh, it, just, it just never went away, and, and neither did my excuses, honestly. And there were a lot of people, um, you guys included, certainly, that would keep coming back to me with reminders to write. Um, but specifically, honestly, there were four people. There was, there was Brooke, who kept asking if I was going to write and if I was mm-hmm. going to obey. Um, there was my pastor, Pastor Mark, uh, who... Uh, who's a renowned author on in his own right, but he would consistently, probably at least once a year, uh, ping me an email and ask if I was writing. And when I would tell him that I wasn't, he would ask why I was still disobeying. Literally, wow. he would ask me why I was still disobeying, mm. um, which which was amazing. I think of uh, our brother Isaac, who mm. would do the same thing, yeah. uh, and my friend Bob Powers, who is also a published author and knew I wanted to write and would keep asking about it. Um, but there's just there's just really no other way to say it than I chose disobedience over obedience for almost 15 years mm-hmm. until April 19th of 2015 when I sat in our church and I listened to Pastor Mark give a message. It was titled "The Art of the Start: um, One Little Yes," mm-hmm. and uh, I knew God was talking to me with that message, and I knew exactly what He was calling me to do. But I I gave Him one last fight. We were sitting there in church on Sunday, and I gave him two final excuses. And the first one was, God, I, don't, I, I just don't know how to market a book. Hmm. And he said, I never told you to market a book. Oh. I told you to write a book. Wow. I said, okay, God, okay, I'll write a book. But this is not a good time. I, I don't have time. And he said, in, in you guys, what was probably as close to the audible voice of God as I've ever heard? He said, okay, you don't have time to write a book. But do you have time to give me one hour tomorrow morning? Mm. Can I have one hour of your time tomorrow morning? And so that morning I went down to what is an altar for us. It's a red carpet square at the front of a movie theater in our church. But I went down to the altar. I knelt at the altar and I told God I would give him an hour a day uh, until the project was finished. And part of our deal was that if if I wrote, then what he did with it was up to him. Mm. And um, I didn't know what that would look like. Um, but I told him that, that I would write a book. And so there's there's an 
awful lot of that has happened be- between now and then. We can get into some of that. There have been um, two manuscripts, actually, that have happened. Yeah. But I can just tell you that the difference between uh, me on April 19th, 2015, and me on April 20th, 2015, when I took that first step of obedience, was, was unbelievable. And now, you guys, two years, almost, I mean, two years to the month, yeah. within a couple of weeks, yeah. April 4th, 2017, um, it's going to be a reality, but, but it started 16 years ago with a call wow. and it involved God's faithful pursuit of my obedience. And, and here's the other thing, and I, I'll close with this, but it required several other people consistently yeah. pushing me, speaking into me, not yeah. being afraid yeah. to hold me accountable. Right. So let me ask you this question. Did you know all of those 15 years, did you know you were disobeying? I think at points I did. Um, you know, I, I think we can deceive ourselves so yeah. easily. I mean, look, I at every point of this, and I think for any call that we have, I mean, there were very good reasons not to do this. Right. I had very big things on my plate that, yeah. that required a lot of focus. Yes. Right. And honestly, and when I had young kids, I, I mean, you, you want to focus on them. Right. Um, but, but I, we, Heather, when you know it's a call from God and, yeah. There are a lot of other things I wanted to do. This is, I think, the only thing over that span of time that I knew specifically God was calling me to do. Yeah. And so it was really a choice of who I was going to serve, who I was going to obey. Mm-hmm. And so there were definitely moments where I knew I was disobeying. I think there were other times, to be honest with you, where I convinced myself that I was making the responsible decision. Right. But if you look over the long span, um, I, I knew I was supposed to do it and wasn't doing it. Yeah. So how did it feel then when you finally chose to obey? <laughs> a, a tremendous relief. Mm-hmm. Tremendous relief. Even even that first day, I mean, I kind of kind of already alluded to this, but that first day I remember I got up and I, I, I gathered together my thoughts and I wrote a thousand words that first day, which is, you know, not a lot, yeah, um, but it's, it's a little bit of a start. But as I got ready for, for work after that, I just... I just felt like a huge load had been lifted off of my heart and mind because I'd finally taken a step of obedience that I'd been resisting. And to be honest with you, in that moment, I don't think it mattered to me where it ended up. Yeah. I don't think it mattered to me if it ended up in a, in a book form or um, you know what it, what it meant for my life. I think it was enough in that moment that finally I was walking in obedience and um, I think I actually knew at that point that I knew there was a possibility that the message of the book might just be for me too. Yeah. Um, and that just taking that simple step of obedience um, might be might be life changing. But I kind of like I said a minute ago, the difference between April nineteenth and April twentieth. Yeah. Was incredible. I was because I was walking in freedom and I was walking in, in obedience. And honestly, it's a change that has um, it's stuck with me and it, it's changed the way I live life. Yeah. Well, and I, there was some sacrifice involved. I mean, we say sacrifice so flippantly, I think, in our culture. Um, we really know so little of true sacrifice when it comes to yeah. our faith. But right. um, you, I, I don't think you'll mind me sharing this. You actually had to get up substantially earlier. Your date already starts early because of your job and you're, you're working with your kids yeah. and things like that. Um, so there was some sacrifice involved. Um, can you talk just a little bit about that? Because I think a lot of times people want, they want to obey, they want the dream, they want this to happen, but the sacrifice is where they stop. They're not willing to 
the, the hard work in. Yeah, the discipline of it. Yeah. Well, and that was one of my excuses. I mean, but, you know, honestly, guys, it, it that was the only choice. I mean, there was no margin in my life. As yeah. There's no margin for a lot, you know, in the lives of a lot of the people that are listening. Yeah. Um, from the time I got up until the time I went to bed, my time was generally someone else's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether it's my family, my, my wife or my kids or certainly at work, um, you know, not only not only the hours at work, but the job I have is, is sort of an around the clock kind of a job. So you're never really off the off the clock. And so, the only time where I could create margin for a project like this was to sacrifice sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, you guys probably remember this. Brooke will certainly remind you if you don't. I don't like mornings, or at least I didn't. Mm-hmm. I was never a morning person. I I would stay up till all hours uh, of the morning on on the front end. Um, but I would, I, I would sleep to the last possible second, um, every day that I could, that was sort of how I was wired. And that's totally changed now wow. because the main sacrifice that I had to do is the only, the only hour of the day that I could claim was the first one, the, the one where I would normally would have been sleeping. Um, and so that, that was the primary, uh, sacrifice. There've been others along the way, sure. um, ones that I wasn't aware of at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the first one was that was, yeah. was sacrificing that first hour of the day. Yeah. We had um, a friend of ours was preaching at church today, and he was talking about obedience. And this just, it's such a reoccurring theme, I feel like, everywhere. It's just this idea of obedience. And I don't think it gets talked enough about enough. Um, I don't think we put enough value on actual obedience to God. Right. Um, And I love this. And he was actually talking about uh, how, what they say to their children, but I think that it, it relates to our spiritual lives as well. He said, you obey first and then we talk about it. And I, I just love that because I think what we tend to do is we question God. Well, why God? Well, why, you know, what do you want me to do? Why do you want me to do this? But he really wants our obedience first. And then the answers may or may not come. And he's okay for us to ask those questions, but the obedience should come first. And how often do we not do that? Right. We expect well, it from our kids, but I think we excuse ourselves as adults. Yeah. Yeah, I and this is probably a good place to expound on what I started to say, that, that, that the book that you're talking about, In Search of the King, is not the first book that I wrote as a, as, a, as a result of the obedience. And the interesting thing about it, you guys, is that first book, the title of it was called A Path Illuminated, and the principle of that book was that God's words and God's instruction to us and our obedience of it um, the instructions are given by the, the lamp of his word. And how much light does a lamp give? It mm-hmm. gives enough light mm-hmm. for one step. Yeah. It's not a floodlight. Yep. It's a lamp. Yep. you got to take that step of obedience. And then when you're in, literally in that territory, in that space that you've taken, yeah. you got to go back to his word to illuminate the next step. So and, and honestly, it's not an accident either because the theme that does tie with this, this second book is his craving for a dialogue with us, for a relationship yes. with us. And mm. if you were to lay out the whole plan, we wouldn't have to come back to him. Yeah. So it's by design. And, and you guys, I think so many times, it's not even about what we're doing. Yeah. It's yeah. about him wanting to engage with us as we go along. Yes. So I guess the only, the only other thing I would add to that is if, you know, don't obey because it's a guaranteed result. Because yes. what he might be after is just craving a conversation yes. with you. Oh, that's so good. So good, Dan. So you um, were doing so many great things in your career. You had this, I mean, really high-profile cases that you were working on and, and really some unique situations that you got to be a part of. And um, we won't go into all of those. 
specifically, but you were very successful and you were successful in your career. You were successful in serving people. Um, why do you think that God asked you to do even more? Yeah, why wasn't I mean, it enough? It, it is true. I, I was blessed. I am blessed. I'm still in the same job and called to do a lot of the same things. Um, to do those things that I would uh, that I'm passionate about and that were worthwhile, and I guess I would say th- this this wasn't a call out of them. Yeah. I mean th- this was this was a call into intimacy with God, mm-hmm. and 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 I, I think it has impacted the way I do those other things that I am called to. Mm-hmm. But I really think you guys that it was Him asking me whether or not I was going to live a life sensitive to his voice Mm -hmm. and whether or not I was going to be willing to incorporate the things that he was asking me to do on top of the things I knew I was called to. Um, It was a question of whether or not my life was going to be his or not. Was I going to choose obedience or disobedience? As simple as that, kind of like we've talked about. Um, And I guess I I would say this. There have been a lot of confirmations that part of this plan is reaching other people with the message I'm writing, but it's not the primary purpose. Mm -hmm. I mean, the primary purpose for for me writing this book was God reaching down and shaking me and insisting that I walk with him, that I discover him, that I obey him. Um, And and, and he was trying to reach me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you ask ask why, why was I called to do more I guess I don't even see it as that I did have to do more but mm-hmm. I think it was more a reorienting of of how God wanted me to walk and he wanted mm-hmm. me to walk with him wow. I was walking after him and looking mm-hmm. towards him but he wanted me to walk um, with him and he was asking me am I the most important thing in your life and um, I thought he was but I think looking back I, I'm I'm not sure there was a lot of evidence to support that because my priorities and my decisions were based on those other things that I was doing. I think there's never, if you're truly following Jesus and pursuing him, it is going to require boldness. And one thing, Than, that jumped out, many things in your book jumped out at me, but one thing um, you said in your book, when we perceive the new thing the king is doing, Will we be bold enough to follow? Mm. And I do think, based on conversations that I have in my everyday life, ordinary people coming across my path, people feel this calling and this um, drawing towards the King, towards Jesus, towards God the Father, but they lack the boldness to follow, to pursue, to get there. And so... I just, I love that your book is helping outline and helping mm-hmm. point people towards that boldness to pursue him mm-hmm. because truly outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is nothing. Yeah. There is nothing. Well, so quickly, can I, can I tell the story that inspired the book? Is that yes, okay? please do. Okay, so so I, I'll try to make this quick, but the. I, I love the way you set it up because the story that inspired this book comes out of one of C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia novels, The Horse and His Boy. Yes. And, and Shasta, the main character in the story, is on horseback uh, with his companion Erebus, and they're trying to get to the to the land of Archenland, where King Loon is about to be invaded by an army, but he doesn't know it. So Shasta's mm-hmm. trying to reach King Loon to, to warn him of this attack. And he makes it through the gates, you guys, just before the army attacks, and he finds out that the king is not there. It's where he expected the king to be, yeah. 
and the king's not there. And it sets up this beautiful moment where I think Shasta probably would have been expected to ask how and why. You know, why is this happening? Why is the king not there? How am I going to find him? How am I going to go on? I'm exhausted. But he doesn't ask, ask either of those questions. He asks where. He asks where is mm. the king? Mm. All he wants to know is where is the king? Mm. Point me in the direction of the king. That's the only information I need to chart my next course. And I think for us in our lives, we ask how and why all the time. Oh, yeah. We ask how, you know, how am I going to go over that obstacle? Why is that obstacle there in the first place? How am I going to do it? Why do I have to do it? And there's really only one question when we're at those crossroads. Uh, you're right, Heidi, it does require boldness. But if we perceive what the king is doing, what that new king is doing, in other words, if we locate the king, if we ask where, yes. it's the only thing we need to know. Yes. We can Absolutely. orient ourselves toward him and then start off in that direction, and everything else takes care of itself. Yeah. So, so good. love the way you tied that in there, but th- that, that, that one thought actually uh, provided the foundation for, for the book. Okay, wow. and I have to tell you this because wow. this is just so cool, and it didn't even hit me until just this exact moment. Um, a while back, my kids were given a CD set of C.S. Lewis books of the Chronicles of Narnia, which I adore. I love. I've been reading them out loud to my kids since they were babies. Um, and we put them, we forgot about them. Yep. And about a year ago, we found them and we put them in our car and we started listening to them. And guess which book we finished about mm, three months ago? Horses Boy? Yep. It's the best one. And, <laughs> and, mo- and most people don't even, like, it's not one of the it's famous forgotten. ones. It's forgotten. It is. So after, after you read In Search of the King, yes. go read The Horse and His Boy. Yes, Seriously. yes, there, and it's so good. There's another, there's another story in there. We probably won't have time to cover it, but there's another story in the book from His Horse and His Boy, and it's maybe even better. So. It's so good. And maybe, like, even get it on audiobook, because when you listen to it, you get to hear it from a whole other perspective. Because I've read that so many times. It's something about it this time. And I did not know that your book was inspired by this particular C.S. Lewis book um, at the time when we were listening to it, but it all makes so much sense now. Well, Than, I'm looking at your book right now, and the back cover of your book says, not since C.S. Lewis has a writer so accurately and emphatically described our human condition, our deep longing for meaning and purpose. I mean... I I, I didn't write that, and I would not claim to reach C.S. Lewis status for certain. He's he's in a league of his own when it when it comes to crafting story, sort of enwrapping in us in it and then revealing the glory. You of are God. a story. But you are a storyteller, though, because you've yeah. we've got some background with that. When yeah. we were in ministry years ago, you were a great storyteller, and you've carried that into other parts of your life. So I don't don't sell yourself short, man. So great. Okay, so in your book, you're you talk about how people are searching for a king. Um, but it's to satisfy a longing that they feel. Um, they often think that something can satisfy them like celebrities or athletes or even Christian leaders yeah. or you know, a cause that is bigger than them. Mm-hmm. What do you say to those people? Yeah, this, this is a question actually been asked a lot by people that have been reviewing the book. And, and I, I say a couple of things to that, Heidi. And, and the first one might surprise you a little bit. The first thing I say is that that longing is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. It's a God-instilled thing. It's one that we should not be ashamed of and one that we should not try to suppress. We're, we're hardwired for belonging. We're hardwired yes. 
for association and, to, and, and, and a desire for something that's beyond ourselves. Um, so the first thing that I say is don't try to kill it off. Mm, don't good. try to press it down because you have to have that longing in order to truly press into the king. So I know there's a lot of other temptations out there, but just because we can mischannel it, don't try to kill it off. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing I say, and this might surprise you a little bit too, but this book is not about why those other pursuits won't satisfy. Because number one, I think we already know that. Yeah. Either way, it's not a message of condemnation for misapplying that pursuit. It's Mm -hmm. not uh, a condemnation for pursuing the things that don't satisfy. It's about a call into what will satisfy. It's about a call into what does fill the void, what does give purpose. So I I think what you'll find in the pages of the book, and I hope what you'll find, is a way to dial into very real, very tangible relationship with the king. engaging the the exciting way to live life that's walking in his real power and being involved in eternal tasks and and and, you know failing along the way too it's part of the process um so is the book a call out of some of the pursuits that entangle us yes it is but but the way to do it is not to focus on the entanglements Mm, right the way to do it is to focus on the king and to provide tangible ways to hook into an authentic relationship with the king because he's the only one that can satisfy. Yeah. And, and if we can begin a real relationship with him, we actually can find that meaning we're after. It's not about suppressing that desire. It's about channeling it towards the king. Yeah, that's so good. Such good wisdom. So we hear this a lot. Heidi and I are both in ministry and working with people and loving people and walking with them through difficult things. And we hear this, I just don't have meaning in my life. I, I don't feel satisfied. And what do you say to people who just who say that who say I am so unsatisfied I don't have meaning in my life is it just a continuation of what you were just talking about well I think the first thing I would say is that I hear them I mean it's my struggle too it's a yeah. human struggle it's yeah. it's um you know, we talked about being hardwired for relationship well r- relationship involves that I mean relationship is not a perfect thing I mean it's true in human relationships marriage relationships a relationship with the king right and I don't think any of us walk fully in in a relationship that doesn't have some frustration or doesn't lose touch from from time to time right. um, so I, I think we have to expect that maybe a little more than we do yeah, that's good. Uh, but here's the thing I think the enemy will try to use that as a reason for us to give up the pursuit mm, right yeah. but yeah. No matter where we are, no matter what direction we're facing, the king is always, always, always waiting for us to turn back. Yeah. He's always waiting for us to head back in his direction. And here's the thing. When we do, he actually satisfies. Yeah. So why waste our time focusing on things that even when we find them are going to leave us wanting? If we're going to spend all this energy uh, pursuing something in, in pursuit of, a, of, a, of meaning or satisfaction, yeah. Let's direct it at something that will satisfy if we find it. Yeah, and it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be seamless. We live in a fallen world. But there's only one thing that achieves it, and it's a relationship with the one who created us and the one who put that hardwiring in us to need him. So let's focus there. So good. This week I had the opportunity to sit down with two different women who were going through some difficult things. And, you know, I've done this a lot in my life and counseled and given advice and um, as I sat down and we started to talk, I very clearly felt the Holy Spirit say to me, stop talking and giving all of the advice. Like almost just closed my mouth. 
And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, but I have to say something to these women. Like they're here to, to glean wisdom from me. And I just very clearly both times felt him say, point them towards the word of God, tell them to read the Bible Mm-hmm. and meet with Jesus. That's all they need. And so yes. I did. I said, you know what? This is going to sound very simplistic. It's actually very difficult to do because it's a discipline and people don't like to follow through with discipline. I said, but if you really desire change, mm-hmm. if you want the situation to change, the only answer is start reading your Bible every single day and meet with Jesus. Jesus. And it was just so interesting because that is exactly what you're saying. That is, you know, searching for the King, spending that time with him and all of everything else can fade away. All of our advice, uh, if we are not meeting with Jesus and spending time getting to know him. And I love what Mike said today in our message. He talked about worship is, is magnifying. And when you magnify something, and you spend time with something, you magnify it, it becomes bigger in your life. You think of a magnifying glass. You you put something under a magnifying glass and all of a sudden you see it bigger. The same with God. When you spend time, when you're worshiping, you're magnifying him, all of a sudden God is bigger in your life. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So good. I just almost feel like at a loss just, just because this is my heart, Than, is that people would reach this longing to know Jesus. Now, please don't laugh at me when I tell you the next thing I'm going to tell you because my console of my car, of my SUV, is now going to be full of your book, In Search of the King, because this is what I do. This is what we do in my little family. When we're driving around, God often speaks to me and asks me to talk to somebody or give somebody money or buy someone a sandwich or do something that does sometimes take me out of my comfort zone. And I'm going to start handing your book out like it's water. That's awesome. Because people need this message. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe so wholeheartedly, Than, that the man on the street corner who is without material needs that I can buy him a sandwich, but if I can give him this book and if he will sit and read it, Mm -hmm. he might meet Jesus. And I am like, that is my heartbeat. My heart is evangelism. My heart is people knowing Jesus, knowing God. And so for you to put this in written form, Mm -hmm. what a tool for me Mm -hmm. to be able to say to somebody, I am asking you to please read this book. And guess what? My brother wrote it. Yeah. For me, that is an awesome tool that I have never gotten to experience having before. Yes, I've handed out books before, but that personal connection is just yeah, huge. Awesome. And it's awesome. It is. It's so good. Well, well, it's 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 cool for me to hear you say that because, I mean, you know this, you've read it, but for people that don't, the, the heartbeat of this book is, yes, it's focusing on the king, but it's, it's getting our eyes off of ourselves, right? Yes. And, and, and the book talks about three phases. One, one is searching for the king. One is discovering the king. And then ultimately, the ultimate goal, which is service to the king. And you guys, I think, I think all of us are searching for the king. Yeah. Yes. We're yeah. trying to intellectually understand him and know his words and know his ways. But I think most of us treat that as the finish line. Yeah. Right. 
and it's the foundation. Yes. It's it's this is not a call away from that because it is an absolute must to love his law and know his ways and to walk in them. But it's not the finish line. It's mm-hmm. a foundation to build on and 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 this book is supposed to be a call beyond that. It's so that you build a discovery into it and then you're talking about the service piece, Heidi, and it's the conversation that Jesus had with Peter, and we all know it, but mm-hmm. I wonder how many of us have actually read it. I mean, mm-hmm. Peter, God bless him, he wants more of Jesus. Yes. And Jesus says, okay, feed my sheep. And, and Peter says, you know, okay, I, you know, that's great, I'll do that, but what I really want is more of you. And he said, no, you're not hearing me. Yeah. yeah. Feed my sheep. Yeah. yeah. Three, t- three times. Yeah. And, and, and the point is that service to the king is not any different than service to his people. He doesn't distinguish. Serving his people is serving the king. Yes. So you talk about the person on the street corner that you'll hand the book to, and I'm great. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. But how many of us don't even see him? And I raise my hand first because I never did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do now, yeah. but I never did see him. Mm-hmm. So reorienting our lives so our eyes aren't on ourselves is, is, is really fundamental to what we're after here. And I think that's something in your book that I don't want to spoil it, but there's an awesome story about that very thing in your book. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's such a simple but profound reminder to all of us about about seeing people. And I guess that would lead me to my next question a little bit. Is like this book is is for all types of people mm-hmm. and all t- in all different seasons of their walk, whether they follow God or they don't follow God. But why do you think it is specifically important for followers of Jesus, for Christians to read? I, I think the first thing I would say is that because I know what it's done for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know firsthand, you guys, the contrast between living a life trying to understand the king yeah. and, and one in which I'm engaging him and his power and and I would I would just quickly say on the heels of that it's not something you conquer once. Yeah. I mean, there are days where yeah. I walk in the relationship well, and then other days where I really don't. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I don't uh, pretty pretty badly. <laughs> uh, we all it, need it, Jesus every day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a journey. It's a it's a tug of war. It's it's a it's a real battle. But I know the contrast, and, mm-hmm. and I know um, how much fuller your life is when you're walking in the latter rather than the former. Um, so. I, I, I also think, and, and this is this is maybe only a little bit related to your question, but I also think we live in a world where um, people are looking in the wrong places more than ever before. Yes. And I, and in my world, the world of politics, you see that more than ever for mm-hmm. for numerous election cycles and new, numerous uh, governing cycles. Where I think we've it, we, even as believers, we're we're so desperately searching, but we're looking in the wrong place. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and so I, I think I think that's what makes it so so pressing in this time. Yeah. Oh. And I think as believers, Stan, we're taking the truth of God's word, and we're cutting it apart, and we're setting aside the parts we don't think we like or that don't fit what we want our mold to be. Yeah. And yeah. we're forgetting that Jesus Christ created the mold. Yep. And He poured us into it individually but our mold has been created and we don't get to change and reshape that yeah we are supposed to live according to it mm-hmm. yep yeah yep so okay so i wasn't going to do this but i have i have to now because it's just this is too relevant so the rest of that story that i told about shasta from 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 the yeah. book yeah. later on in the story he's on horseback and he's this is after he's warned the king and they've had the battle and he's, he's riding with the army and he gets separated from the army and there's this He's lost and he's in a fog, so he's really he's really afraid. 
Um, but his, his fear becomes terror when he realizes that there's a giant creature walking beside him. Mm. And he can't see this creature because of the fog, mm. but he can sense his presence, and he can even feel his breath. He's so close. And he's terrified, so he's not speaking. Mm. Uh, finally, he doesn't know what else to do, so he musters the courage to ask a question. And once again, it's a question. There are a lot of questions in the book. But yeah. the question is, who are you? Huh. And the creature, of course, turns out to be a lion. This is Chronicles of Narnia. But the lion responds, one who has waited long for you to speak. Um, and you guys, I, I just, I know more than ever before that the king is walking right beside us. Yeah. He, he's so close to us, we can sense his presence and we can feel his breath like a mighty rushing wind. Yeah. And he wants to dialogue with us, but here's the thing. He, he's not going to force himself on us. Yeah. So he's there and he's available, but he's waiting for us to speak. Mm-hmm. And, and and the plea that I would have for people look uh, listening to this and, and, and what I, the place that I finally had to bring myself to is to dare to ask the question, mm-hmm. who are you? Because he's there, but he's waiting for us to take that first step. Yeah. So is that what you ultimately want people to take away from your uh, book? I, I want them to engage in the beauty of a daily relationship with the king. And in order to do that, I think they have to have the courage to A, ask him who he is yeah, and B, where he is. Mm-hmm. Where are you taking me? Yeah. And, and uh, um, it's going to be a back and forth. It's not, it's not, I think a lot of us look at a relationship with the king as something that is a set of dictates yeah, right. and we've got to try to match it as much as possible. And mm-hmm. there are laws and there's no question about it, but repeatedly in scripture, I mean, maybe more repeated than any other, any other uh, command or instruction or desire. He wants an interaction with us. Yes. He wants a dialogue with us in a relationship with us. So what I want people to take away is, is the courage to have that, mm-hmm. uh, the courage to bring questions, to bring fears, to bring, uh, wanderings, um, and for it not to be a one-way thing anymore, for it to be um, a two-way street where there's give and take. So what does that look like for you on a very practical level? Because I think it's really easy to say, spend time with God, know God, talk to God, search for Him, ask Him these questions, but practically, what does that look like? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I don't think I can tell you. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I mean, I think, and I'm not making fun of the question at all because I think it's a very valid one. But I think, you know, I think it it'd be like me asking you, well, how do you have a relationship with Heidi? Yeah, that's not my relationship. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. can tell you how, what my relationship with the King looks like, mm-hmm. and my relationship with the King, especially over the last couple of years, has been one of finally laying down my own desires and being willing to walk in the things that I knew he was calling me to, even though I didn't want to. Right. So it was putting his dev- desires ahead of mine. For yeah. me, it was not, it was not so much a matter of how do I talk to him? Right. Because I, I really, I, you know, I've done that for a long time and I feel sure. like I've heard his voice, but it was being willing to put his desires ahead of mine. Um, for someone else, the, the practicality of it might look a little bit different. It yeah. might be a little more regimented or it might right. be a have to have time in it. But I think you guys, I think we've got to give people the freedom that he gives us in his word to yes. pursue a unique relationship. Oh, I love it. Because it. it really is individual. It's not, he, yeah. did, he doesn't, he didn't create us to be robots. That's why he allows us to choose mm-hmm. yep. to spend time with him. I love that. That's such a great answer. I think, Fan, as you were speaking, um, so often people tend to not want to step into that relationship with Jesus 
because of the things they're worried they're going to have to sacrifice. Yeah. And so what would you say to somebody like, okay, so for you, you were in a relationship with Jesus, but you had to step into an area of obedience to Jesus and sacrifice some things in your own life. Did that leave you feeling longing because of the things you had to sacrifice or how did that leave you feeling? Well, you will have to sacrifice. Yep. I mean, I'm not going to tell you you won't, um, but um, we have a choice to make. Mm -hmm. And I think if you look around the world at the... um, at nearly everyone mm-hmm. who's pursuing things based on their own assessment of what they want or what will satisfy, how many of them are satisfied? Mm. And I would tell you almost zero, mm-hmm. almost nobody. The only satisfaction, Heidi, that I see when I look around the world are people who have tapped into this understanding that it's not about them, That's right. that it's about something that is beyond this earth, it's about the eternal kingdom, and it's about those people who have actually made their lives about something other than themselves. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's not going to require sacrifice. In fact, right. it absolutely will. Yes. Um, but I would just suggest to you that unless you understand that that sacrifice is ultimately going to be worth it, you're going to be unsatisfied. Yeah. Well, and Than, I can tell. I'm, I get to you know look in your face right now as we're having this conversation, but I can tell that your sacrifice hasn't left you feeling empty. It's oh, actually no. done the opposite. It's filled you up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, absolutely. And and a big part of that is I'm taking on things now. Um, I mean, I've taken on big things before, but I'm taking on things now that um, are beyond me. Yeah. And uh, it's it's pretty exhilarating, honestly, to be willing to step into something knowing that you got to have God deliver. Yeah. I mean, it's the it's the Elijah with the altar of Baal, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to set this grand table. I'm going to mm-hmm. set the stage. Right. And you know what? If God doesn't show up, I'm going to fall on my face. Yeah. Yes. But if God shows up, look out. Yeah. yeah. And you've and got that he foundation. he wants to show up here, I'm going to set him stage for him to show up. Ah, I love it. That's so good. That is so good. So what advice would you give to someone who has heard from God, but mm-hmm. they're being disobedient? <laughs> well... Um, this, this is, this is probably going to come out a little bit direct, but I, I want, I want people to know that it's in love. I, I, I think I would just simply say to choose this day whom you're going to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, it's, it's the famous charge that Joshua gave the people, right? Yes. And, and Joshua's response was that, uh, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Um, but I think it's a choice. I think it's a choice if, if we're going to serve ourselves or if we're going to serve the King and, and I think I would just follow that up with a reminder that the destination might not be the, the point, right? Mm-hmm. The, desti- the, 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 the point might not be getting a book published or whatever yeah. the grand scheme is or some visible goal. It might just be about obedience. Yeah. Um, maybe it's as simple as the king calling you to his side and asking you whether or not you're going to walk in, in, in obedience. And that's so much more valuable than a destination anyway. Yeah. Um, I guess I would also just say maybe I would suggest not to wait 15 years like I did before <laughs> before you choose obedience. Uh-huh. I, I would say uh, to choose this day mm. and then to choose obedience. Yeah. And isn't it isn't it choosing then the next day and then the next day and then the next day? It it absolutely is. It's a continuing laying down. But I you know I, I had this conversation with someone today at church who's got a big goal in front of them, and they 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 are they have the courage, Heather, to take tomorrow's step, mm-hmm. but they don't have the courage for the next yeah. one. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think very practically speaking, what I would say, you do have to be aware that it's going to be a continually laying down. Yeah. 
but let's take tomorrow. Yeah, that's good. Well, and I think that goes back to the point you made, Than, about actually the first book that you wrote, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. um, that light that is Mm -hmm. cast for us illuminates that one step, Mm -hmm. that lamp. It's not a floodlight. Yeah. It's the one step. And well, I think I can, if no. we can, if our faith can get us to that one step and then give us the courage for the next one, yeah. we will gain this confidence that Jesus is going to show up yep. and he's going to carry us through if he has to, but all, and all we have to do is be obedient. And yep. sometimes it looks scary, but watching him show up and do his part is exhilarating. Well, there's two things. I mean, one, if he had showed me everything about this process at the beginning, no way I'd have done it. Yeah. No, no chance. Yeah. No chance. Just too, too much work. Too much. Too many closed doors. Too many no's. Uh, but the other thing is, if he had laid it all out for me um, in advance, I would have figured out a way to get it done, or at least that's what I would have tried to do. Mm-hmm. But it's so much better to walk through it in a, in a sense where you're continually dependent on him. And again, I mean, I sound like a broken record. But I think that's the point of most of these things. Yeah, right. It's not even the end goal. It's the fact that he wants to give us bite-sized directions so that we have to keep coming back to him. Yeah, so much yeah. better than having the blueprints all at once. Yeah, that's so true. Because then it's up to him, not up to us. Yep. And I know I know you're living that out, Than, because you you've done everything you need to do. You've worked so hard to get this book published. You know, Your team that's surrounded you has given you all sorts of stuff to accomplish, and you've, you've done it. But as we've, you know, been in text conversations, we'll ask a question and your response so often is, that's God's department. You know, things that you're like, this is so not my cup of tea, that's God's department. And you've just watched God show up. Um, Yes, you've been faithful. Yes, you've hustled. Yes, you've done the hard work, but you've also trusted God emphatically. And I'm just so proud of you for that. I think that's huge. My my pastor has a a saying, you know, uh, Work like it depends on you. Pray like it depends on God. Yes. But that day, April nineteenth, two thousand fifteen, when I went down, I did it. I mean, I did it. I was committed. I told you, I'm, I'm dogged. I was. I was going to get it done. <laughs> but I did it with sort of a begrudging spirit, and that begrudging spirit was, "Okay, God, hmm. I'll write it, but the rest of it's your job." Mm-hmm. Not that I'm not going to work. I'm. I'm a hard worker. I'll put in the work. Hmm. But if it flops, that's on you. Yeah. I'm not sure that was a great attitude to have, <laughs> but you know what? He has been so faithful yeah. because each step of the way he's given me enough that I have the capacity to walk in if I'm willing to obey. Yeah. And each step of the way he's delivered. And I think I've also told you guys several times along the way, I, I know I've told a lot of people this, well, what's next? I'm like, not sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm not really sure. I've never done this before. Right. So, but I'm ready. That's good. So any final thoughts as we wrap this up? Um, well, thanks for having me, first of oh, all. of course. Um, loved having you. I guess, um, I guess I would just say a couple of things. One, to, to people who have something in front of them that they know they need to do, um, do, do the first thing. Mm-hmm. Do the first thing that would, would take you deeper into that relationship. And, and the other thing is, I think probably a lot of people that will be listening, certainly the three of us, we've got eternity secure. Yeah. And I'm... I'm, I'm so grateful for that, but I want you guys to hear my heart when I say this because it's not setting aside that gift. That is, that is what it's all about. However, I don't want that to be the end of my story here on earth. Right. I don't want to be just okay with salvation. I want to walk in a life yes. that discovers a new uh, 
aspect of God every day and that walks in his power and then lives a life dedicated to service. And so I guess I guess my closing thought to people out there would be if if you're satisfied, and I mean this in a good way, we're all satisfied with salvation, but if you're satisfied with that being the end of your story here on earth, I, I, I challenge you to reconsider that because mm. there's a lot more to be had yes. than just escaping a, a fiery hell, which is a wonderful thing, yep. but there's a lot more to be had than just that. Oh, that's wow. so good. Dan, thank you so much for sharing your heart behind this book and just your your openness about being disobedient. I think sometimes we learn more from people when we hear about the mistakes that they've made. Yeah. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. And um, yeah. one of the things that I absolutely love, which is fairly superficial, but um, writing this book forced you to get on social media. <laughs> it did. Yes. You were a holdout. I, you know... I'm a private person. You are. <laughs> I, I know that sounds strange for somebody who's putting their name on a book now, but um, if I if I I don't dislike people, I really don't. But if I could live on the side of a mountain and just sort of choose when I saw people, I'd probably do that. That would be the way you would go. You and my yeah. husband both. <laughs> yeah, well, you can live on the other side of the mountain. Okay, sounds good. I don't really want to see you unless he, like, <laughs> unless he you know. chooses to see you. So yeah. people can find you on social media and give you yes. a shout out and and tell you what their favorite parts of the book are. So you're on Twitter? Yep, Twitter At- and Facebook, Than Bennett for both of them. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm fairly, fairly uh, regular on there right now. A lot of book content, but a lot of other content as well. Yeah. Conversations and good chance to dialogue. So, yeah, yeah, it's great. So, so find him on Twitter and Facebook and um, order his book. Yeah. You can order, you can pre-order it right now yep. on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Um, you can go to a physical store and buy it on April fourth yeah. today. As day y'all are listening this. listening to this, yeah. so we're so excited for that. Um, we're still waiting on the invitation for your launch party. Because there's not a launch party. Oh, okay. There's there's so much work to do. I think we're going to celebrate a little after the fact. Okay, we're fine with that. Okay, Okay. we'll send us a date. We're going to fly out and and join you for that. So we love you. Congratulations. We're so proud of you. And thank you so much for being our guest. Thanks for having me, guys. Love you lots. We love you too. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the H&H Hour. We're so glad that you listened. If you want to find us on Instagram, we're the H&H Hour on Instagram. And you can leave us a comment or shout out at us. And we always love to hear your feedback. You can go on iTunes and you can leave us a review and you can subscribe so that you never miss an hour. What a great, fun conversation, Heidi. This was so fun. I love it. I know. I do too. I love doing life with you, Heather. And I love that we have siblings that we're best friends with and um, yeah it's, this is a sweet blessing yeah and for all of our listeners we value them so much so they're much. the reason we can keep doing this absolutely so thanks for listening we'll talk to you next time